So at the end of fills my every longing of my heart, keeps me singing as I go. So we'll sing that part just that way you can all feel like you are included in the 830 service. Amanda learned that in a Southern Baptist church. I did. Amanda's. I kid you not. So so, so Landon, you need to demonstrate that for them. Here we go. I'll give you your note. Here we go. Fills my every longing of my heart, keeps me singing as I go. As I go, I blame Amanda's mom, just in case anybody wants to know. (laughs) All right, here we go, chorus. Ready, go. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing of my heart, keeps me singing as I go. the 
the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. And we uh, welcome all those that are watching from home. And as we pray this morning, uh, I want to pray specifically uh, for our brother Tim Davenport. Some of you have read that Tim has said goodbye to his earthly dad in Crossville, Tennessee. Uh, Tim, as most of you know, is a mason contractor by trade. When we don't see him, he's usually away from Ohio with his crew working. And he's been having to go back from Sevierville, Tennessee to Crossville to be with his family during this time. But I don't know if they're watching, but we love you, Tim. We're praying for you, and I want us to do that right now, okay? Father, we thank you for loving us. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we thank you for the privilege that we have this morning to come together to open the Word of God and to praise you for who you are. Lord, I pray for our brother Tim right now and his family. Pray for Robin and Chloe and just ask that you would hold them up and strengthen them. Lord, I thank you for good dads. That's something that money can't buy. And it's an awesome privilege to be called a dad. Thank you for the men in this church who are faithful to their wives and their families, their grandkids. And Lord, as I look over our congregation just briefly here, I, I thank you for Kathy and Dick being here, Jim Barnes being back. We've got a lot of folks that have been out and down, but you're a healer. And God, my prayer is today that we recognize that we all have a disease that no doctor can fix and it's called sin and that's why you died to pay for my sin our sin Lord please don't let anybody leave here today that's not sure they're going to heaven help us to listen with our hearts help us to hear what you have to say in Jesus name I pray amen why don't you just look at somebody from a distance and somehow welcome somebody? Will you do that?
song means more to me just in eighth grade is when the song really kind of came out for me. Uh, we had a um, Senecalate a summer camp that we go to at the church back, back then. Um, and as we sang the song, my, my great-grandma passed away. And we came back home. Greg, Greg used to go with us and uh, came back home and you know we buried my great-grandmother. Go back and we sing the song as, as me and Greg are in the band going back and you know, Greg's talking to me about, you know, there's nothing in this life that we can add. We have the crown of life, but there's other crowns that we gain throughout life, through our service and work, as we live our lives for Christ. And when we get to him, we put all those crowns at his feet and lay prostrate before him and just say, holy, holy, holy. You can't just say it once. You have to say it three times because he is holy. And we lay them down to his feet and we just cry before him for what he did for us because there's nothing that we can do or add to take the place of the perfect gift that he did for us. And we cry holy, holy, holy. As we sing this again, that's what that means for we fall down. Jesus, 
in one accord and praise you we thank you Lord that today you have brought us here to feed us your word there's not a life that's beyond the reach of your love my prayer is that you would guide us this morning the Holy Spirit would convict us Help us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, and as you're seated, let me go ahead and dismiss our kids to Children's Church. We appreciate Miss Terry and her team ready to lead this morning. So kids up to third grade, you feel free to go ahead and go now. We also believe it's a big deal to be in the house of God. Amen. Give these kids a good hand. Will you do that? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible this morning, I want you to show it to me. Hold it up in the air. Will you do that? Amen. If you need a copy, there's one in front of you. I want us all to turn to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. For our first timers, we're in a series that we began last week in the book of James. and James entitled, Faith That Works. Faith That Works. Make no mistake. The Word of God and James, they do not contradict the fact that we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But the Bible also tells us that when we are saved, we're to go forward and we're to live for Jesus. Paul says that there are works created for us to do and to serve and to love and to share in this life in which he's called us to live. Last week when we began the series, we learned that as Christians, the question isn't, if trials come the question is when trials come and when they do you and I have assurance knowing that Jesus Christ will walk with us and is in the midst of the fire with us anybody will say amen boy what a promise what a promise that we have knowing that God walks with us that we're not on our own you don't have to figure life out you don't have to put it all together, but we have this privilege knowing that Jesus is with us. Amen? And, and here's another good thing about the Lord. He loves you more than anybody. He loves you more than your spouse does. He, he loves you more than your kids do, your grandkids do. He loves you and knows more about me and you than anything else, yet he loves us. And that is the love that took him to Calvary. So this morning, I want to speak to Christians. I want to speak to Christians. And if you're here and you're not a, a Christian, or, or you're not sure you are, I want you to take a good look at Jesus, okay? I want you to take a good look at him, because James is writing the Jewish Christian of the day, and they had plenty of questions. James chapter 1, and I'll begin with verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. 
For when he is approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren, for every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. And then verse 20 says, For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Faith that works. Faith that works. And the Bible tells us in verse 12, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life. And if we just stop right there and, and that's it, and we just take that passage and that section and say, what do you get out of it? I believe there are some people that would get out of that, that we somehow run this race, and if we're good enough to finish the race, that somehow we'll go to heaven. But I want to remind you this morning that when you look at the translation of the word approved, I believe King James may use the word tried. That's really a better translation. Because real believers, listen, real believers stand the test of faith. When you gave your life to Christ, listen, it wasn't about what you did or how much you had to bring, just as Landon shared in his testimony, but it's about the grace of God and what he did for you. And when Jesus comes into your heart, he changes you to follow him. We should take heed to Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall inherit the kingdom of God. So listen to me. There's no magic bullet prayer that changes somebody from the inside. It's faith in the God who changes you from the inside out. Prayers, folks, uh, the, the, the publican and the sinner, the, the short prayer of the sinner was, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the Bible says he was saved because he recognized who he was. And he recognized who God was. And that's where we begin in our journey with Christ. I, I put on the sign this week, a step to have peace with God outside. The first step is to recognize you need God. I believe I'm going to take the journey. Uh, recognize that you need God. Recognize that your sin separates you from God. And who knows, maybe somebody going back and forth to work this week will, will see the plan of salvation and, and how much God really loves them. Well, in the Christian life, there are going to be trials. Anybody want to say amen? In the Christian life, there are going to be hardships. In the Christian life, there are going to be things, listen to me, when you're tried, that approve the fact that Jesus has saved your soul. Now, I want to make myself very clear this morning. I shared in the 830, don't get mad at me this morning and what you're going to hear. But this past week, we saw a nightmare unfold at the capital of the United States. Had I not known where I live and, and the history of our country, I would have thought I was watching the news of a third world country. Not the land of the free and not the place that everybody seems to want to get to for a better future and a better tomorrow. As a matter of fact, when I watched the news, I saw Jesus flags waving everywhere. I want to make sure you understand something. That's not the Jesus of the Bible that I read. That's not the Jesus of the Bible of Scripture. You can wave a flag all you want. You can put the sticker on your car that tells everybody that you're a Christian and where you go to church. But if Jesus Christ is not the King of kings and the Lord of lords in your life, listen... If he's not, then your actions will not show it. People will wonder, what is Christianity? And I have a feeling that's what's confused a lot of folks in our nation. 
the picture I saw, and, and listen, don't get me wrong, it's the same picture I saw last summer in big cities across the world, across America. Brothers and sisters, we have to quit placing our faith in politics. We have to quit placing our faith in who's going to lead our country. We have to place our faith, turn our eyes toward the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're living in a day where that's going to be challenged like never before. Christians just don't walk away from Christ. James talks about a race of endurance and a life that proves Jesus' grace is real in your heart. The cross of Calvary is more than a pendant around your neck. The cross of Calvary, if you're claiming to be a believer, marks a changed life. A life that has repented of sin and turned to Christ. Now look at verse 12, if you will. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, when he has been tried, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You see, the world runs after a crown that will fade away. The Bible promises you and I as believers that there will be a crown of life. Do you know Paul talked about it? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25, he says, And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Now, mark your Bible here in James chapter 1, and I want you to flip over, if you will, to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. When, when someone says that, you ought to just kind of think Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. Wasn't it interesting that James uses terminology like this in verse 12? Blessed is the man who endures temptation. And in the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus begins that message uh, in verse, five, or verse 1, chapter 5, and seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And just like Landon said in his testimony, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, that means that you have absolutely nothing to offer the Lord other than your heart and your sin, your life. There's nothing that merits goodness in the eyes of the Lord because we're separated by our sin. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Anybody in this place understand the, the loss of Tim Davenport? I'm looking at you. I know, I know many of you have lost parents and good dads. But you also know what it's like to be comforted, don't you? The love of God. Blessed are those that are meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the, are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Now go back to James, the half-brother of Jesus. I believe he was listening when Jesus was preaching. I believe he was listening when Jesus was teaching because he understood uh, the blessing of God and, and how God can do something in a life. Aren't you glad this morning for preachers and Sunday school teachers, faithful laymen and women who poured into your life when you were maybe small? Aren't you glad that there were, were men of God who preached to you, whether five were in attendance or a hundred, that faithfully declared the word of God? And aren't you glad that there were men and women who loved your parents enough to tell them about Christ or maybe your grandparents enough? to tell them about Christ. Are, are you folks, are you with me? Aren't you glad this morning that when we come together that we can recognize the love of God for the goodness of God in changing hearts beginning with you and beginning with me. Hey, hon, what can we help you find, babe? The story? Okay. All right, that's okay. That's all right. There you go. I think I think we got it. I think we got it. Maybe not. 
kind of like me when I get up here with my notes sitting in my office. That's okay. That's all right. Thank you. Hey, hey, young lady, I want to thank you for being bold enough to walk in here and look for that for Terry. Okay, that's a good job. Thank you. All right. So I believe James, I believe James was hearing Jesus. And I want you to think about those old preachers you've had that are in heaven now. I wonder if anybody are listening. Knows what it's like to preach and see people sitting here asleep. That's okay. That's all right. They were faithful. Amen? Think about that Sunday school teacher that tried to corral a bunch of junior high boys. Jeff, thank, thank God for guys that pour into our life, right? And we recognize the need for Jesus and how much he loves us. I, I, I thank the Lord for those that have poured into us and recognize the importance of listening. I believe James was listening. Remember, we, we found out that right at first, uh, they, 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 they weren't sold. But there came a moment, and it was after the resurrection, where they recognized that Jesus was who he said he was and believed everything about him and went on to serve him with their lives. Well, back in James, he talks about this crown of life. Now, Scripture mentions different crowns. Verse 12. He says, For when he has been approved, when he has been, when he has been tried, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Which the Lord has promised to those who love him. If you're a Christian this morning, here's what you're saying. I love the Lord. That I believe who he is. And I've received him as my Savior. And I've been forgiven of my sin. And I'm going to live for him. And James writes that as I live for him, these things called works, these fruits, will follow me in my Christian life. And I'm not going to give up. And I'm not going to walk away. And I'm not going to get aggravated at a preacher or aggravated at a church. I'm going to keep on keeping on because he is faithful. And one day there will be a crown of life. Rodney Griffith shares a song about it's entitled Pile of Crowns. And, and the story is, is a speculation of getting to heaven and you're, you're being shown heaven. And then all of a sudden around the throne of God, he notices to the side a pile of crowns. And he recognizes then that nothing he has in heaven really belongs to him. It's all for the glory of God. You see, pain and trials of this life are real. But we are reminded that there can be joy in the journey with Jesus one day at a time, trusting him with it all. You see, as a Christian this morning, you and I are not running the race to get to heaven. We are in the race because we're going to heaven. And my prayer is that you would just thank the Lord and stop and say, listen, uh, this crown of life is because I'm saved. This crown of life is because I'm saved. It's like the, the hymn writer Jack Schofield in 1911. I found a friend who is all to me. His love is ever true. I love to tell how he lifted me and what his grace can do for you. He saves me from every sin and harm, secures my soul each day. I'm leaning strong on his mighty arm. I know he'll guide me all the way. Why? Saved, because I'm saved by his power divine. Saved by his love sublime. Life now is sweet and my joy is complete. Why? For I'm saved, saved, saved. Folks, listen. One of the problems with the joy of the church is the fact that you and I as Christians have forgotten that we're saved. Man, we watch that news. We've watched news like that for four years. And we're wondering where our happiness is going to come from. I can tell you where it's not going to come from. A man who has changes positions on the 20th of January. A party decision. Our joy is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you, as the world turns, Christ is the same. 
We can get up and read the Word of God knowing that it's the same as yesterday. We look at the headlines of the paper or on the web, and everything is fluid. Everything changes daily. But you and I should not get over the fact that we are saved, and God has a promise one day for us. Now, if you have your bulletin, I want to encourage you to take the back of it and, and go with me as we think about this topic this morning of owning it. Owning it. You know, sometimes when we look at life and, and we make a mistake, uh, our tendency is to find the nearest person and pin it on them. Or the nearest, uh, sometimes the closest person. Sometimes it can be the one you love the most. Sometimes it can be all the blame gets put on your spouse or on your parents or on your siblings. Okay? Well, when we grow in our faith, we're going to recognize that uh, life is full of trials, that life is full of decisions that we have to make. And when you look at uh, this race that we're in, the Hebrew writer writes about it as well. He says, therefore, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance or patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, who? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross? That is hard for me to grasp. The joy that was set before him, the cross? No, it was enduring the cross. Why? Because through it, you and I could be saved. Through it, there would be a resurrection. Amen? Through it, you and I could go to the cemetery and know that this place doesn't have the final say because of the love of God. Here's what James is going to teach us this morning. Number one, if you want victory in your Christian life, it will be on the other side of obedience. It'll be on the other side of obedience. Instead of caving in to the temptations of the flesh, what if you and I began to make some decisions that were in obedience to Christ and seeing what God can do on the other side? The Bible says he's the author of and the finisher of our faith. The Bible says, Paul writes in Philippians, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. So when you give your life to Jesus Christ, the work on the cross was enough. The blood of Jesus was perfect. It was the once and for all sacrifice for you and me so that we could be forever saved. Anybody want to say amen? Listen, don't you get over the fact that you're saved. In, in a lot of teaching classes and models of preaching, they'll say, don't use terminology that a lost person can't understand. I, I, listen to me. Christian, don't you get over the blood of Christ, the cross of Calvary, and being saved. There should be joy in our hearts that we're going to heaven. For our senior adults, listen, I'm one of you now. Let's don't live our life on the back nine just afraid of life. Let's give it to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm ready and I'm going to live it. And when you call me, I'll be, I'm coming home. But the good news is we're in the race. We're in the race because of his love. So there's victory on the other side of obedience. Let's start trusting God to help us with a way out instead of caving to whatever the devil wants us to do. Number two, Paul or, uh, James and Paul both, they do not say that, that we are saved by enduring trials. James is writing here. We're not saved by enduring trials. We are rewarded by enduring trials. And it doesn't matter who you are, from the youngest Christian to the oldest in the building, there will be testing of your faith. There will be trials that you and I go through. And aren't you glad that in the same passage, James says, a crown of life awaits for those who love the Lord. Now, I don't know who's been saved the longest in this building. I gave my life to Christ in 1976. When, when I see Landon up here on stage, 
and he talks about Seneca Lake. They used to drag me to Seneca Lake as the male counselor. I'll tell you how bad this makes me feel. One of those years, our church was in the same cabin, and my now son-in-law, Kyle, was in the youth group of another church. But I remember Landon and watched him grow up. I used to laugh at him because uh, he and Drew would usually uh, bunk together, and they were like two little old men. Everything was neat. Their beds were made, uh, and I used to call him Dallas, which was his papal's name. And then Lyle, Landon's younger brother, somehow every year ended up under my bunk. Now that was a different story. Lyle was like, I was like Charlie Brown and Lion, uh, he was Pigpen. And, and, and uh, I would sleep up high because I literally didn't want to be on the ground where all these boys were. And, uh, and, but, I, but just seeing Landon grow up and then spend a lot of time at our house growing up as a, as a young man. And I told him this morning I can remember his first mustache. But now seeing him help us, lead us in worship and working with Marcia, maturing in his faith. God calls us to grow. He calls us to grow, and he gives us these works to do for his glory. And he didn't say it would be easy. He just said, I'll be with you. And, and, and let this world prove your faith in Jesus Christ. Folks, the world's looking for something. Uh, the world's looking for something that, that it's real. The, the world's looking for something that completes my life more than my educational process or or the amount on the check that I receive uh, the world is searching and, and hungry for something and I believe that what that what that hunger for is the Lord Jesus Christ you see the world is looking at temporary things when the Bible reminds us that there are some things that are temporary that will not last one preacher said if you want joy in your life in Christ start living to glorify God please him and take a seat on the bench of surrender and always be reminded this morning that there was a cross before the resurrection and before the crown the Bible says in Romans 8 18 for I consider that the sufferings of this present time what, what are you going through this morning that I consider that the sufferings of the right now are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You know why? There's a crown of life waiting. There's a crown of life. There's the hope of meeting the Savior, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You see, the race that we run on earth is temporary, but the fruit of it is eternal. And when you think about the race that we're in, it contains things. It contains blessings and both burdens. It contains temptation and triumph. There's always a battle of the faith and the battle of the flesh. You know, our grandsons, especially youngest, he's all in on wrestling. He's all in on wrestling. And he's even learned that before he dives on you, he gives it that big-time wrestling. And, uh, and, and I have to have a name as a wrestler and my name is pastor of disaster let me tell you something when the battle takes place between the flesh and the spirit often it ends in disaster when the flesh wins bad decisions guilt shame there's always going to be that battle until the Lord comes home amen but be reminded of Philippians 1 6 he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it there's that battle versus pride and humility. But James says there is a crown of life for those who love the Lord. Verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And when those desires are conceived, they give birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived. 
my beloved brethren. When you look at James, he said there's something that should be your overriding motivation. The why behind what you do. The why behind what you do. And here was the motivation of the Lord Jesus. And it's, I believe it's the same thing that should be true of us today. That love should be the motivation behind everything we do as believers. That love should be the motivation. Uh, when you think about uh, the end of verse 12, which the Lord had promised for those who loved him, we are saved this morning because we recognize the love of God, did we not? We recognize that we are a sinner. We recognize the hope that we had by coming to the cross in childlike faith and that we could be forgiven and given a new life, become a new creature in Jesus. Now the title of the message is Own It. Here's what we have to quit doing, folks. We have to quit blaming God for our failures. We have to quit blaming God for our mess-ups. And that's exactly what we've witnessed this past uh, year in, in America. That it's always somebody else's fault. I'm glad some of the guys that, and, and women that were involved in what happened at the Capitol were smart enough to have themselves photographed, their face looking right at, right at the camera. You know what that shouts out? Guilty. Guilty. And until you and I recognize that God knows our heart better than anything, there's nothing we can hide from him. There's nothing that we can sweep in a corner. There's nothing that we can blame on somebody else. Until we own the sin in our own life, we're not going to live victorious Christian lives. You have to own it. There comes a point in a person's life when you begin to take a good look at Jesus and you begin to think about your own life and you begin to think about your own sin and you come to the point of saying, that's me. That's me. John Maxwell, the leadership teacher, said, a person must be big enough to admit her or his mistakes, smart enough to profit from them, and strong enough to correct them. Oscar Wilde said, experience. That's the name everyone gives to their mistakes. And Harold Smith said, more people would learn from their mistakes if they weren't so busy denying them. Now, think about love. If that's the overriding principle for everything we do, what do you do when you love someone? You trust them? You want to be with them? You want to honor them? You want to serve them? All of those things begin with love. And when you think about marriage, uh, that's certainly where things begin in your marriage. You guys remember uh, when you dated your wife? and you, maybe you went out on a date, and you remember the impression you wanted to make, and you ran around to open the car door, and, and uh, most of us back then had bench seats, so you literally could sit next to your date, and, uh, and that was when seat belts weren't nearly as important. They were as important then. They just weren't utilized like they are now. And uh, do you all remember that, guys? If you do, say amen. Now what do we do? You do... <laughs> You do what Renee asked me if she wanted me to do, or if I wanted her to do this morning. You know what it was? Do you want me to go out and start your car? <laughs> if you don't mind, you seem to be more dressed than I am. Uh, get ready for church. Back out of the garage. Honk, honk. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get going. Here she comes, dragging the kids, and 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 you you've been up, and you know you've had your coffee and donut, and you're ready to go. And man, I don't know what's happened to us. Now she don't even sit beside me. It's because there's a console in all these new cars. You see, listen to me. When you really love someone, you do those things. You you think about returning to your first love. What if First Camden returned to our first love of just, of just loving Jesus with all we've got? What difference would that make in the life of this community? Quit trying to be another church. Quit trying to be another preacher. Quit trying to, 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 to mimic somebody else's music style. We'll just be who we are and trust God with it. Amen? You see, all these things begin with love. So if love is the motivation who love him, let me read 13 and 14 again. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. Own it. Own it yourself. 
For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. There's a slow fade. We see it from the first book of the Bible in the life of Adam and Eve. They are enticed. They are baited. And they fall for it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Anybody want to say amen to that? If we want to see victory in our life as a believer, it will be on the other side of obedience, looking for the escape hatch that God has provided. And sometimes the trial and the testing, it might come from the outside, or the trial and testing may come from something I'm involved in, something I'm watching, something I'm listening to, a place that I'm at. And that's the heart that James is seeking in this passage. He sees the heart. If we're not on guard, the testings on the outside become the temptations on the inside. So he says, don't you blame God. Don't you blame God. Verse 14, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And that's where we get the word bait. Number four, beware of the bait that temptation dangles in front of you. Now, I want to I talk about bait for a minute. I want, I want to appeal to you fishermen. I grew up fishing for a crappie, which is a panfish, like a bluegill. And my dad taught me my entire life that you only fish for crappie with a minnow and a bobber. That's the way I learned to fish. Until I moved to Preble County. And then the fishermen in our church, they never once bought bait. They would buy artificial bait. And they'd buy a can of things called niblets that they would attach to the hook with that artificial bait to make that and to, to look and to smell like as much as possible live bait. What is the goal of a fisherman putting a lure on a hook? The goal is to fool the fish. Because, I, you know, I'm, not, I'm like Barney Fife. I don't talk fish talk, but I can tell you there's a big difference in a real worm and an artificial jig. And before they realize it's not real, they're hooked. Anything going on in your life that looked so good and you decided to give in to it and all of a sudden it's not that good? That's the way the devil operates. That's the, day, the way the devil operates. But when you live your life in obedience to Christ, listen, the reward will come on the other side of obedience. Uh, temptation never appears as temptation. It's always more attractive. And that's what happened to Adam and Eve. And we find out, based on sin, and when you look at verse 15, James reiterates it, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Number five, our desires can move us to make a willful choice. Remember what I said, quit blaming God? Verse 14 says, make sure you understand, when he's drawn away, it's by his own desires. You've given in to the bait. You've given in, you're enticed, and you, and you swallow the hook. And that disobedience leads to death. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all have sinned. And what happens is, the will approves the act. I give in with my own will, I'm enticed, and it improves the act, or it approves the act of disobedience. You see, when a trap is set for an animal, it's hidden. You don't put a hook in the water by itself and just say, uh, fish jump on. Something looks so real, it smells so real, it's hidden, it's deceiving, and it catches us. That's the very same thing that happens when we let our feelings dictate our faith. Our feelings are always going to change. 
but be reminded, be reminded, verse 15, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. And then I love the fact that James reminds us that every good gift, verse 17, and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation of shadow or turning. God is faithful. God is good. He'll give you what you need. He'll give you, the Bible says the Holy Spirit will teach you in the same hour what you ought to say. God will meet your needs. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches. Philippians 4.19. John 3.27 says, Jesus said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. And for some of us today, this is exactly why you came. For the ne- this is why you're here this morning. If you're here and you're a Christian, you say, well, Brother Greg, so far you've given us five things and I think I'm okay. I've heard a little bit of it. For some of you, number six is why you're here this morning. You ready? Listen more than you talk. Look at verse 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And I believe that's what we saw this week. Jesus is the life changer. Proverbs 10, 19. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. Proverbs 7, 27. He who has knowledge spares his words. Proverbs 14, 17. And a quick-tempered man acts foolishly. Proverbs 16, 32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Friend, listen to me. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, there comes a point where you own your life as a believer in Christ. You're going to live for him. You're not just a secret service, Sunday-going Christian, but you're going to live for him outside of these walls 24-7. You're not going to be ashamed of your faith. What you do is going to cast a good light on your Savior. And I believe if you cast a good light on your Savior, any church you go to will have a good light cast toward it. And friend, listen to me. God reminds us. God reminds us that we've got work to do. That, that we're still in this fleshly body. There are going to be times when we make mistakes. But the longer I live and the more I listen, the more I read the Word of God, listen, the more wise choices I can make to follow Him. you got to own it. Have you ever done anything where you absolutely could not get away from? I mean, the handwriting's on the wall. Um, when I was at the post office, Corey, years ago, before I came here, when I was at the post office, we had trailers in the parking lot of the post office in which I worked, and that lot was just packed with mail vehicles. And one day, I backed out, and lo and behold, I clipped the back of a trailer that was sitting in that parking lot. You know, you all know the feeling, oh boy. I get out and look at it, and it had just bent a piece of trim on the trailer back, so I just bent it back and put it there and looked at my car, and that was that. Well, the longer I worked there, the more that bothered me. And one day I went into my boss and said, Roger, I need to tell you something. Come, come out here with me. We walked out to the parking lot. There's the trailer. And I said, several weeks ago I backed out and clipped this trailer and bent this piece of trim. As you can see, there's a little crease in it, and I, I just bent it back. I want to tell you that. I'm, I'm thinking, pay the con- whatever, what, suffer the consequences. He says, oh, that's nothing, Greg. That looks just fine. That was it. That didn't mean a whole lot to him. It meant a, whole lot, to, it meant a lot to me because I was walking around with the baggage of a mistake that I hadn't owned. Are you ever like that? Are you ever like it? You know, I, I used to kid uh, uh, a, uh, a female in my life prior to being married about women are interesting how they'll try on clothes. And, and I said, I bet you keep the tag on it so you can just take it back. 
Huh? Anything you think about in your life that continues to hover over you, those are the kind of things God just says, own it, and I'll take care of the rest. Aren't you glad this morning that you and I as believers can sing something like this, saved by his power divine, saved by his life sublime. Life now is sweet and my joy is complete. Why? For I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. And that's what God wants you to be this morning. He died on the cross. It's our, the price has already been paid. But has the gift been received? Would you stand with me? Would you stand with me? If you're here today and you're a Christian, listen. Won't you thank God for saving your soul? Believers, why don't you thank the Lord that he loved you enough to die on Calvary and that he lives in your heart? Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian and the first thing you have to do is you have to own your sin. And the Bible says that sin separates you from God. And if it's your desire this morning to know Christ as your Savior, if it's your desire this morning to be a Christian, in the quietness of this room, with every head bowed, every eye closed, call on him, dear God, I realize that I'm lost. Please, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me. Please, Lord Jesus, forgive me in my past and, and, and the mistakes in my life. And, and I realize that I can't change them. But right now, I place my faith in you as my only hope. Realizing that you died on the cross, was buried, and that you rose again. And I ask you right now to forgive me of my sin, Lord. Come into my heart and save me. Lord, you know our hearts this morning. You know what we need. You know where we're at. And as we prepare to sing, Lord, I want to be a Christian. If you prayed that prayer this morning and invited Jesus Christ into your heart, praise the Lord. I want, to, I want to encourage you to step out unashamed of your decision as we rejoice together as a church and come and say, Brother Greg, today I've nailed it down. Christian, the altar is empty. If you need to come, you feel free to come this morning. God, have your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Let's sing. Sing that line again in my heart. Sing it again. this morning thank you for being faithful and I, I just want to tell you that uh, as we looked at the finances of the church for 2020 it's really been the miracle of giving on the corner of hope and I want to thank you for your faithfulness in doing that